Welcome to Amplify. You're listening to Rona Clark's In Paradisum from her Requiem, performed by the Latvian State Choir on a recent album of her choral works, Sempiternum. And this week we feature a conversation with the composer about this release. I'm Jonathan Grimes, and this is episode 64. I'm joined once again by CMC director Yvonne Ferguson. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, Jonathan. How's it going? So we begin with a bit of housekeeping and we need some help from our listeners, don't we? We do indeed. We want to share the podcast far and wide to engage a wider audience with new music from Ireland in all its vibrancy and diversity and to bring the composers and performers who are active in new music in Ireland to a broad public. So we need everyone to subscribe by any of the podcast platforms such as Spotify or Apple Podcasts and give us a rating if you listen on Spotify. It helps us reach more listeners. And also consider sharing this or any other episodes uh, that you listen to on social media or send us any comments or feedback about the series in general. We'd love to hear from you. In particular, any topics or composers that you would might like featured. And so to this episode, and we're really delighted to be able to share a conversation which I had with composer Rona Clark about her new choral album Sempiternum. And Yvonne, CMC had the privilege, didn't we, of launching the album last week at an event here in our library. It was a really celebratory evening, Jonathan, last Thursday evening here in CMC with uh, so many friends and well-wishers of Rona's fellow composers, commissioners of many of the choral works on this CD and conductors of uh, those works because uh, so much of Rona's choral work has really become embedded in the choral repertoire for many professional, semi-professional and amateur choirs on this island. And it was Fergus Sheely, the artistic director of Irish National Opera, who launched the album Sempiternum. Very fitting because it was Fergus that was really the connection between Rona and the State Choir Latvia, as we'll hear in her in her interview with you a little bit later on. And I suppose, Jonathan, what always strikes me with uh, a recording, a full recording featuring one composer is the, the potential that that has for international promotion, international broadcasts being included on playlists, streaming, and of course the interest that builds from other international choirs when they can pick up this CD and listen to the stunning performances of the State Choir Latvia with these really exquisite choral works by Rona Clark. 
So here is Rona Clark in conversation with me. Uh, this conversation was recorded earlier in March. We're talking on the occasion of the release and launch of your new album of choral compositions, Sempiternam. Given your long career as a composer, why has it taken so long to produce an album of your choral music? Well, it's something that I've had in mind for a very long time. So I, I would say I have been thinking about it and maybe talking about it for the last 10 years at least. I suppose things fell into place maybe about four years ago and I decided that there would be enough there to make a full album. It wasn't the case that I wanted everything I'd ever written for choir. I wanted a selection that I would be happy with and that would both have enough contrast and enough connection, you know, from one piece to the other, not just bits that that would tie together in some way. The theme of death goes through a lot of the material on this album. The theme of death is there in both its very serious aspect, you know, as in the Requiem, but also the lighthearted side as in the old woman. So I suppose of all the themes that goes through, and then the the element of love, of course, you have um, the setting of Eudic O'Connor's The Kiss in there. So, love and death. <laughs> you know, the most important themes, really. You know, there's nothing, there's, there's very little else beside those two things when you yeah, think about that's it. that's true. I was going to ask you about the Requiem. It's one of the most recent pieces on, on the disc. And you wrote it in 2020. I always resolve when I'm talking to a composer not to ask anything to do with the pandemic but it just comes up in conversation anyway that you have to address it but did that have any bearing um writing a piece during during the pandemic in 2020 or was it before everything kicked off the intention to write a requiem was prior to the pandemic so in that sense it didn't have anything to do with it what happened though was that we had lockdown And that gave me some isolation and time to reflect and to write. It's hard to know if the pandemic affected the composition directly in any way, other than there was time to reflect.
you retired from lecturing in music and in composition in a number of years before that, or maybe a year before that. So it, it must have been quite an unusual experience to be faced with this unlimited time, so to speak, and not having to compose in blocks in, in between, you know, in holiday time and so forth. I found on retirement from the teaching position that I didn't have to wonder what was I doing last weekend, you know, that I had continuous time to work on and have had since. And yes, it does make a big difference because I'm not in a rush and there isn't that gap between thoughts on one day and thoughts on another day when I have to put my head into a completely different area. I now find that I dream composition. I haven't dreamt up any great ideas or anything like that, but I wake thinking of musical activity. Um, what I'm doing is in my head a lot of the time. So that's, and continuously. So that is different. And also I have time to see what's being done now, to see what other composers are doing mm. and to explore that way. The other thing that, that that I find is different is that I now can work, say, on two pieces at the one time without much difficulty, especially if I'm well through the process of one, that I have a critical mass of material for one work, that I can turn my mind to starting another work at the same time. And I'm actually finding that I need to do that now because there is more work coming my way that, you know, that I can just work on new ideas and maybe edit or finish another work. The new work has to be in the morning, but I can do editing and small changes and things like that on another work in the afternoon. So presumably that means that productivity (laughs) can in- increase. In other words, your output is increasing as a result of that if you can work on two pieces simultaneously in the way that you described. Probably a bit more. The output is probably a, a little bit more. Mm. It's certainly more than, say, three years ago. It was the least amount of music I produced in one year, just one very short piano piece. Mm. That's never happened before. There usually had been at least three works in a year. But as I said, I'm more critical. And being more critical means you're not going to produce a whole lot more work. But I think what is coming through is a bit more focused. Going back to this album of choral music, and choral music has been such a consistent part of your musical output from when you began composing. Where does this interest and passion for all things choral come from? Um, I think it's just in me. I can remember as a small child on first encountering vocal harmony, just loving it. And that was stimulation in school, um, in primary school, a teacher who was very interested in part singing. And then, of course, in secondary school, where Ethna Barrow was our singing teacher. She was director of the Lindsay Singers and I joined the Lindsay's at that time. Then Cork Choral Festival stepped in as we competed there and other choirs later, you know, uh, at Queen's joining the choir while, while I was studying their postgrad degree. You know, I, I sang with various choral ensembles 
Um, but the interest was always there. I can remember as a very young child stopping in front of the radio when the duet from the Pearl Fishers came on the radio and hearing these male voices uh, singing in harmony. It literally stopped me in my tracks. It is amazing, isn't it? The power of singing and choral music and being in a choir, what that can do for a young, developing musical mind, so to speak. It's so important and so, you know, so powerful. It is so powerful. And also listening, you know, being at events where you're listening to even even a bad choir. You know, I can remember my first time hearing Mozart's Ave Verum in a local church and thinking that this was wonderful. And I knew the singing wasn't first rate, but it was still wonderful. And it is the physicality, I think, of the human voice. I mean, nothing will ever replace sound-wise the human voice. I also had a mother who sang non-stop. <laughs> Everything was sung, you yes. know. And there was always music in the house, you know, piano and singing just came through the walls. <laughs> said it's you know choral music and, and and singing it's part of you it's 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 who you are when it comes to these works how do you think this approach manifests itself in the work that you have done and the music that you have produced for choirs i mean is it a particular sound is it working within a particular tradition is it imagining yourself in the middle of this sound you know what what, what is it for you that, that the most important thing um, well, I have to give some credit here to people who commissioned pieces because um, very often these pieces have started with commissioning briefs. So you have to work from that, you know, first of all, the choir who have commissioned it, you know, what is their range? What shows their capabilities best? Or, you know, sometimes there would be a very specific uh, request that it be fast or rousing or the type of text or something like that. So that's a starting point. But, you know, coming back to one of the questions you asked there, Jonathan, I will always ask myself, and this is not just for choral music, this is for all music. I, I will start by placing myself in the audience. So I am, I am the listener. I am listening to the piece. What do I want to hear? This is very important. What do I, as listener, want to hear? Then I am the performer. What do I want to sing? I do place myself in those roles and I suppose it becomes a very visceral thing then. Um, after that, obviously, I have certain preferences, you know, which can be heard. Certain harmonies, you know, will, will prevail. Not always the same because sometimes I'll work with a mode and then, you know, explore some other mode and see what material arises out of that. 
so for instance, in something like the Kiss, I think there's a double harmonic scale or something like that. And then other works are just purely an Aeolian mode or a Dorian mode, you know, so. Um, but I don't restrict myself within that either because, you know, I will just instinctively work out chordal patterns, harmonies that, that I wish to explore for a certain text and go from there. In terms of the process of composing, are you working alongside with piano or are you doing this entirely conceiving how these work for voices? There'll be a little bit of both. Sometimes I will go to a piano because sometimes you'll find things that you're, you know, just through exploring with chords on on, on an instrument, you will find things. Um, but then again, uh, there's the linear aspect. So something will change because I will sing something uh, a certain way and it will change the line and perhaps the harmony will come out of that particular line. So at the, probably a mixture of both. But all the time, as you said, you're you're moving around that kind of triangle, if you will, of the listener, audience and the performer, which is an interesting way to put to put it, because they're the kind of the three core components or constituents in, in, in terms of a piece of music. Yeah, um, you know, in starting a piece, as I've said, I will, you know, listen to what's there already. What, you know, what are composers writing now for, for instance, choir? And um, sometimes in so doing, I won't find what I now want to hear. So it's, it's like a kind of stimulus to get on with it, you know, <laughs> that, that, okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hearing this. So let's see if I can come up with it. You know, let, I'm setting myself the challenge, I suppose, to create what I've not heard or I'm not hearing yeah. yet. Sometimes the stimulus for a choral piece might come from a piano work. Do you know, it doesn't have to come from something that exists that is choral. I may hear something in piano work and hear a sequence of chords and think, oh, gosh, that kind of thing would work beautifully on voices. Or, for instance, one of the works on the CD, um, it's one of the Marian anthems, um, the Salva Regina, uh, started from Bartok's string quartet, the night, uh, night music movement from the uh, fourth quartet. Mm -hmm. And hearing that, thinking wow, I'd like to hear that on voices. So I stole it, if you like, I stole it. And it, it starts with this. And then the tenors have this moving line, which uh, the cello has in the in the string quartet. So it, it's a different line. It's not the same as Bartok's. So that choral piece came out of a string quartet.
if you come across something like this, if you're struck by a piece of music and, and you think, oh, goodness, that would really work as a as a as a choral piece. I mean, is that something that you just store up and, and, and recall when you need to or or do you action that straight away or does it have to coincide with you have a particular commission for a particular work or how does that work? I think it has to happen immediately. <laughs> I think you have to strike when the iron's hot, you know. If you have, uh, I've, I mean, it has happened to me that I've had had ideas, but um, they don't stay on the back burner for long. You've got to work with them then. You're a different person a year on, so, you know, <laughs> I might I might want to hear something different. <laughs> I might want to sing something different in a year's time. So it has to be pretty well immediate. It's like an ingredient, a fresh ingredient that you have in your fridge. If you don't use it uh, after a couple of days, it, it, you know, maybe that's a bad analogy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I often compare um, composing to, to cooking. Uh, often, very often, you get the best possible ingredients you can. Yeah. Um, just going back to this notion of tradition and, and um, Mark Fitzgerald in his liner notes for the album touches on it. This notion of uh, tradition in choral music, um, is it something that you're aware of when you're when you're writing, like, let's say, in, in relation to, go, you know, going back to um, the Requiem that you we you started talking about I mean is is that something that when you're writing a piece like that all this kind of tradition is kind of surrounding you or do you you know put it to one side and focus on what you want to write or what you want to hear I do not wish to write in a traditional style of any kind I want whatever is coming off my Mm. scores to be now Mm. you know I'm alive now you know, I don't want want it to sound like something that it, it it will have all of the influences, you know, of older music, of course, but I don't want it to sound in any way traditional. The harmonies, for instance, are more contemporary and rhythmically, texturally also. Which was one of the things that, you know, Mark talks about in, you know, your change around 2013 when with coinciding with your orchestral work, which... Then shift. Shift. Yeah which is quite an apt title, uh, in terms of you moving into a a slightly more textural exploration in in your work and and how that's kind of mirrored in in the choral works from that time. Yeah, I had been a bit reluctant to use what are called extended techniques. It's hard to know nowadays what are really extended techniques, but I had been somewhat reluctant to use them up until that point. In the choral settings, for instance, I began to use a lot of, you know, more speech patterns, but speech patterns are almost half sung patterns. I like these alongside the vocal, just as part of a whole timbral textural thing. I'd imagine though with with when you're dealing with a a choir 
it's slightly different than dealing with let's say writing for a set group of instruments it really is about that particular choir which is a an instrument in and of itself so i'd imagine that that factors a lot in terms of you know who you're writing for and the sound and their as you mentioned earlier their their capabilities their range all of those things so there are restrictions there to start with aren't there well in writing for singers you always have to keep in mind where the pitch will come from. I don't really like to see choirs with uh, tuning forks trying to fish their note out of the air. Um, I prefer that they're able to find the pitch naturally. Because I'm mostly writing using some form of mode or a a type of modality, it's not usually a problem at all. But uh, yes, you're absolutely right. It depends on the choir and you must write the capabilities of that particular choir. In reference to the Requiem, when I was writing that, I was writing to the full 50 voices of State Choir Latvia. But then, because of the conditions around COVID, this was all recorded during restrictions, they were only allowed 28. Now, when I say only, we're talking about State Choir Latvia, 28 voices of State Choir Latvia is a force. But the introit to the Requiem splits the basses into four parts. I probably wouldn't have done that had I known from the outset that there were just 28 voices. Mm. Um, Having done it, they assured me there wouldn't be a problem and there wasn't. You mentioned the uh, State Choir of Latvia, which are the artists on, on this on this disc. Tell me about how you ended up working with them and how they ended up recording an album of your choral music. Um, I first came across this choir through Fergus Scheel. He brought the choir to Ireland for a tour. I think it was 2010 that far back and he had kindly included my two Marian anthems on the programme and I just found them stunning. Latvia is a smaller country than Ireland and yet they have two full professional choirs. I sent an email to the general manager Marius Ostes and he immediately responded and gave me the criteria that they would require in order for this to happen. So I went over and had a meeting with him. They were just wonderful, really. They were just fantastic. Mm. And it was all, of course, set up pre-COVID. And um, But I was delighted that things were able to go ahead. It was recorded in St. John's Church, which is a wonderful um, Renaissance era church in Riga. And the recording engineer, the sound engineer and myself were in a van outside. Um, and this wonderful sound engineer, Varis Kurmins, who works with Latvian Radio. Not only is he a superb sound engineer, but he's also a qualified choral director. 
and the interaction between him and the choral director, Maris Sirmais, was just wonderful to behold. The energy between the two of them as they worked on the recordings, it was so incredible to see this teamwork between sound engineer and choral director. director is wonderful, Maris Sirmais, just, just a fabulous director, very sensitive to tone in particular. And sustained singing is one of the things that they are particularly superb at, this wonderful sustained singing. can't help thinking about, you know, a disc of the Latvian state choir of your music without relating it to the current situation there. And, and you know, in that part of Europe where there is a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of nervousness and tension, especially in the in the in the Baltic states. I've, I've spoken to a number of colleagues who are, who are based in Estonia and Latvia and uh Singing is such an important part of their identity, isn't it? Yeah, I I have been thinking of them a lot during this time. And being there, um, I know that Maris Jermais, for instance, is so nationalistic. He is passionately involved in everything that is Latvian, promoting Latvian, promoting the language, promoting the culture. And of course, their choral tradition is part of that great culture. I, I really felt their independence and I was there and couldn't help but feel the correspondence with Ireland in many ways, you know, mm. um, a similar size, smaller nation. Their nationality is, is so young, just some 30 odd years, but very much felt a Latvian culture when I was there. And finally, Rona, in terms of other projects and uh, other possible works that you're working on now that you have coming up this year or maybe other future recording projects. I mean, you, you, you said that this was in the, in the pipeline. You were thinking about it for a number of years. What else do you have? What are your other plans? Well, I'm just finishing a set of songs for Boyne Music Festival. This is a project which was instigated by the pianist Deirdre Brenner. And it's um, based on the Magdalene Laundries. And there are two other composers involved, uh, Deirdre McKay and Deirdre Gribben. And we are each producing two to three songs and they will be part of a whole group which will be sung at Boyne Music Festival. And then Robert Finnegan had asked for a piece for soprano, saxophone and piano. And this is um, in connection with Ulysses, so uh, will be performed on Bloomsday this year. And then there's another project that I'm working on with wonderful pianist Isabel O'Connell. 
it's a set of piano pieces based on Cocteau, Jean Cocteau. Interesting uh, that two out of those three pieces have a uh, a vocal element to it or a voice text element. So, uh, you know, that thread continues. Uh. Well, do you know, it was interesting, Jonathan, because you did an interview with me at the time of my 60th birthday and you asked the question um, whether there were things I wanted to do or what things I wanted to do more of. And as far as I remember, my answer was I wanted to write more choral and vocal music. It is happening, you know, people are asking me. So uh, be careful what you wish for, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm delighted it is. I'm very pleased it is. That's good. Well, long may it continue, Rona. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Jonathan. The ending of Rona Clark's Ovis Aeternitatis, the Latvian State Choir conducted by Maris Schirmeis. Sempaternum is available on the Divine Arts Record label. The link to the album is included in the show notes for this podcast. That's all for this week. Until then, thanks for listening.